BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes. Join me every Monday for a new episode of my podcast, Recovering from Reality. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, I'm here to deliver intimate conversations and expert insights to empower you on the road towards authentic wellness. So are you ready to recover from reality? Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, and I am divorced, not dead. I'm a former Bravo TV star and now former wife. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey. So buckle up. Hi, everyone. Have you gotten your tickets to my live show with Tracy Chooser tomorrow? There are only a few hours left to snag your tickets, so what are you waiting for? Go to onlocationlive.com forward slash DND for tickets. That link will also be in today's show notes. See you there. So welcome back to this week's episode of Divorce Not Dead. And this week on, I have um, a special guest, Adam Newell, host of Up and Adam Live. And actually, I've been on, um, well, I did a little chat with you, Adam, didn't I? Um, on your show, and that's how we met. And completely by accident, he brought up that he is the product of, you tell me again? 11 marriages and nine divorces. I mean, holy fucking shitballs. (laughs) (laughs) So of course, the moment he said that, I was like, would you like to be a guest on my show? And of course, (laughs) I was jumping up and down like, yes! Your father is either... I don't know, stupid or a saint or, I mean, I can't decide. I can't decide. Everyone always asks me, um, what does your dad look like? This guy, he must be like this really amazing, good looking guy who's just like getting all of these women. And my dad, he's a great guy, great personality, but he looks like Larry the Cable Guy. He looks like this, like, I don't know. I don't have an answer for when people say, how does he go through so many wives? I'm like, I don't know. It's not that hard to get women these days. (laughs) Really, there's quite a lot of us on the, on the market. So I'm, I'm Larry could be the cable guy and he'd still get the girls. I I wouldn't know myself about the getting women part. Well, that's okay. I mean, look, the, the, the gay scene is what do you, how do you say they keep it moving? Yeah. We keep it moving. Actually, that's an actual, that's, that should be another topic because gay marriage compared to straight marriage. 
I wonder if they've got the secret because actually they don't play by, or you don't play by normal standard rules. The old rule books, you guys make up your own rule books. Well, and I feel like there's almost like, because when you talk about marriage, you have an idea of a traditional marriage, right? Whereas like gay marriage just kind of came to, came to be um, here recently or more accepted. And I feel like, I don't know, this could just be my opinion, but, or, or just me, but I feel like a lot of gay marriages um, are a little bit more open to sometimes inviting everything. Yes, yes, exactly. And yes. sometimes that's not as traditional. That's not me. I've been with the same person for six years and I don't see myself going anywhere. And there's definitely ne- nobody ever coming in the doors with us, but no, you, it's, more often than not, for sure. That wasn't going to be today's show, but it's a very interesting topic. But I mean, I have a you know a lot of gay friends, and you know, I don't know whether that is the secret, whether they are just so much more relaxed that you can just be you. I mean, also we're always going geared towards getting the house, getting the you know the children, and you know doing the typical thing. But a lot of these women and a lot of uh, women that I know in our age, you know, women hit their sexual peak at 40. don't know if you know that. Men earlier. And I think a lot of my girlfriends got divorced literally so they could get laid. <laughs> it's like a lot. You'd be surprised. I know you're laughing over there. But um, again, another topic. So um, today I wanted to discuss your family and how it affected you maybe growing up. You've got how many brothers and sisters? 11. 11's our lucky number. That's amazing. 11 is my lucky number. Is it? Yes. That's why we get on so well. Yeah. And actually, my new boyfriend, Sergio's football shirt was 11. 11, 11, 11. Just remember those. 11, 11, 11. And are any of your um, brothers and sisters gay? No. I'm the only one. Oh, my God. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And it's it's also interesting because I grew up in a very... um, it's not, it's not that it's not accepted. It's just, you don't really talk about it. And where I grew up, like kind of in the South, you, if you're gay, you, you kind of try to hide it under wraps or whatever the case is. And having 11 brothers and sisters up until I was 20 years old, I hid everything. It was just a, it was a secret. Yeah. From my, well, because I would always have a, a revolving door of like a new stepmom or a new stepdad. And, you know, there's, there's been many a times where it's been like, oh, well, your kid's gay or your son's going to grow up and be a queer or this or that. And it just like, it sticks with you as a kid. And especially growing up in that kind of setting. I think that's why you're gay. Did you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, there's many other reasons, <laughs> but no, it's just, you, you kind of learn to like shelter that away and growing up in a, a house where it is a revolving door of different stepbrothers and sisters and um, stepmoms and stepdads, you don't really trust anyone. 11 brothers and sisters, but of course you must have had all those stepbrothers and sisters. So, okay, so let's start. First of all, do, do you keep in con- contact with all those stepbrothers? No, none of them. No, I don't keep in contact with them. Um, I keep in contact with two of my brothers and the rest, everybody else, unfortunately, we just... We're completely different people, and it's Wait, sad. Wait, your brothers, your real brothers, or your stepbrothers? My two real brothers. Okay, you only keep in contact with your two real brothers? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So you, you never have a family gathering? Uh, no, we're, we're so scattered. Some of us are in New York City, Florida, Tennessee, California, Kentucky. We're scattered. So we don't really, we don't meet up. We don't reach out to each other to meet up. It's the weirdest family dynamic ever, and- they, they kind of, 
they walked the line for what my parents painted for them. So they became like handymen and, you know, like one's a nurse and one's a teacher. And they were just always told kind of what they were going to do. And when I turned 19, I was I packed up a U-Haul. I had $1,500 that I saved up and I was like, I'm getting out of Tennessee and I'm moving to Los Angeles. So I just moved overnight and everybody was like, we're going to see you in a few months. Like, you'll be back. You think it's that easy. Good luck. Oh my God, that's amazing. So you've done really well for yourself. Good for you. I love stories like that. So what your father's longest marriage was how long? Probably say about nine years, I think. Okay, so that's a decent amount of time. And you only got two brothers and brothers that you talked to from all of those. How many of you were living together for those nine years? It was just me in the house. Me in the house with the, me in the house with this. (laughs) The stepbrothers at the time, because my brothers lived with my mom. Okay, what about the stepbrothers? Do you keep in contact with them? Oh my gosh, no. I think one went to prison for stealing tax returns out of mailboxes, and the other one's a meth head, so no. Are you close to your mom and dad? Yes. Uh, my mom is actually, my mom's my best friend. We're kind of like two peas in a pod. And my dad and I, we had this, he's always like, it's you and me, son. You know, like, it's interesting. I thought, I was so afraid to tell my family about anything, like I said, and I was afraid to tell my dad more than anyone because a dad, you as a kid growing up, you think a dad has a perfect vision for like what their son's going to be. And my dad used to want to take me hunting and he used to try to take me under the truck and show me how the oil changes. And I'm like, you pay people to do that. Like I'm not, I don't need to learn that. And I wasn't that kind of son for him. So I thought when I well, eventually- he did have nine others. It didn't really matter what you yeah, did, did it? <laughs> right. But no, it, it was interesting because when I told them all, I, my mom was the one who was kind of like, oh no, I wanted a grand, I wanted grandbabies from you. And I'm like, that doesn't mean I can't have kids. And then my dad was like, okay, so we're gay. And I'm like, we're not gay. I'm gay. And he's like, no, if you're gay, then we're gay. So whatever you, he's like, I'm right here with you. And I was so shocked That's by that. so cute. Yeah. Especially coming from where he comes from. Yeah. Because in the South, like one of my best friends is from the South, Parson James, you know, the singer. Yeah. And he had a very, very hard upbringing um, in, in the South as a gay, a gay man. Um, and especially even from his own family, you know, obviously not his mother, but his own immediate family. So for a father like yours, who's obviously a man-man to himself, you know, like, you know, in the South. I love him for that. It was. Love him for that. What an amazing guy. It was a real surprise. And, you know, I I wish I could take some things back. And I I feel like you just learn as you go. When I met my fiance, Jason, uh, six years ago, um, we have a 10-year age gap. I'm I'm 27 now. He's 37. At the time, I was 20 and he was 30. Um, so I guess seven years ago, whatever. We hit it off so well. And I asked him to keep our relationship under wraps for a year. I was like, listen, I understand you're at a different point in your life. I'm not comfortable with telling my family yet. I don't know what's happening. with like I, I just don't understand anything. Please give me a year. If you can give me a year, I promise I will tell everyone. And we were in, uh, we met in Los Angeles. We celebrated our one year anniversary in New York City at this um, awesome little restaurant in Times Square. And I sent a text message, a group text message, to, like all 25 members of the family. And I was like, guys, I'm sorry if you hate me. I'm gay. I'm turning off my phone. It's my one year anniversary. Surprise. Click. <laughs> and I, just, I ordered a bottle of wine and I was like, God. Again, you know, by the way, Adam, I don't think that's a weird thing to do. I waited a year before I announced Sergio gay or straight. I did it anyway, because number one, I mean, I have children. I wanted to see whether 
before I made this big statement, especially like you with the age difference, before I told my friends and family that I've, you know, gone for this guy, that, you know, clearly when I when you've been married and you're as old as I am, what what people immediately think is a woman my age with a younger guy is that I've got out of a, you know, a 20, 18 year marriage and that I'm, I'm finally getting laid, right? That's the immediate thing and that I've gone completely mad. I've picked up the first little boy that I've met and that, you know, just wait, it'll be over in five minutes. And so I waited those five minutes before I told anybody. So by, and I still get that now because obviously I've, I've announced it just now on Instagram. I think it was, uh, what, a month ago. And people are like, oh, wait till how long this lasts. And I'm like, actually, you know, I've been together with him over a year now. So uh, we're, we're pretty solid. I was going to say, I just saw your thing. Instagram photo from New York. I was like, wow, they really have been together for a while. Because when I talked mm-hmm. to you, I, I mean... Yeah. You you did a yeah. great job of just keeping your private life private. Totally. Because also, you know, I don't want to have to announce it. First of all, I think when you've got children, it's something else because, you know, I don't, my children don't need to know every man that I potentially would have slept with. You know, maybe I was going, if I was dating, maybe there would have been a few, who knows. And, um, you know, I certainly don't need to announce it to my, my ex-husband going through a divorce, you know, and, and all of these things. So I kept it completely quiet until I was a hundred percent sure that I was going to stay with this man. So I don't think it's a bad thing. And also these are the times that you get for you and him. So I'm sure everyone had a million questions anyway for you once you came out. And I had, so, and it was interesting because in that one year time span, I had, you know, like you just said, all of the time to answer those questions, to make sure that I was sure to, to kind of figure out my bearings and be able to deliver the answers that people were, I knew, I knew I was going to get the hard questions and I just wanted to come prepared. And I I do have to say too, Caroline, for you, I have so much respect for you in the sense that you had the ability to kind of keep your private life private because um, from my own personal experiences, when my dad would get a divorce, we never had a moment, a gap in time where it was just us in the house. My dad wouldn't get divorced without having a new wife ready. So he would actually leave the wife, his current wife for someone he had just met. So there was never a gap in between. There was never one single moment of being single. Have you ever asked him why? He, well, Why? he, he might get mad at me for announcing this, but my dad actually, um, he, yes, I think some, sometimes people, you know, they, they have different addictions and sex can be one of them. And, you know, and I think that as a, as a man, I, I don't some, think multiple marriages are sex addiction. I mean, sex addiction is like, isn't that just like rant, like fucking is like women left, right and center. I don't understand. He actually married these people for years and years. Yeah. And you know, and I, I never understood too. And he would always try to sell it to me in a new way. I've just done the cliche. You told me that you got a new house and a puppy every single time. Tell everybody because it's so funny. When you were telling me, I was like, shit, I'm sitting in a new house with a puppy on my lap. <laughs> well, it was. It was every time, you know, I, we would phase out the, the current stepmom. I would be I would be sent away to go to wait, go wait, stay with my mom. How do you phase out a stepmom? <laughs> uh, oh, I'll tell you. We always you phase them out during the summer months. They, they get phased out during the summer, not during the school year. That, that messes up the, the, the kind of lay of the land for the children. So stepmoms get phased out during the summer months when the kids get sent to go be with the other parent. And then I come home to a house, either a new house or the same house that has completely been resurfaced, 
new colored walls. There's a new dog in the house. All of a sudden, somebody's in my bedroom and across the hall, there's some kid that I don't even know. And I would have to come back after like the second, third time of this happening. I learned to come home and it would be like the new stepmom, for example, I'm going to say, I'm going to do a random name. Nicole. Nicole would be like, oh, Adam, I am so excited and we're going to be a family and your dad's not going to work as much. And I would just be like, look, Nicole, my room's down there. My bedtime's this. I understand. I have a mom. I really don't need you around. You're probably going to be here for like a three, four year shelf life. And let's just make this a good time. And I hate that I became that person, but I became that way at like 12, 13. I was just like, I'm going to know you for three, four years. And did you ever get attached to any of them or you just, you man, you just compartmentalized? I, the one that my dad is married to now, I, I really love her. She's, she's great. And she, she immediately came in and did something that none of the, his other uh, previous wives did. And she just said, Adam, I'm not your mom, dude. She's like, you have a mom. She's like, my name is, she's like, my name's Kimmy. And she's like, yeah, I just, I love your dad. And you know, whatever capacity you want me in your life, I'm here. And she was just, yeah, she was amazing. And then I had a one uh, stepmom before that. And she just lived to like make my life a living. She was honestly the craziest, meanest stepmom in the world. Like she, I had all of my um, photos on my laptop of my mom. And um, I only got to see my mom now uh, two times a year because my dad went through a nasty custody battle and took me away. And um, I had all of these photos of my mom and my stepmom got mad at me and they were in my laptop. So I came home one day from school and I had, there was a bathtub full of water with my laptop at the bottom of it. And it was Shut the only up. photos that I had. Um, I'm getting choked up talking about it, but, and then yeah. there were, there were times like, you know, if I wouldn't do certain things or behave a certain way, what I would What did he do when that happened? What would I do or my dad? No, your dad do. So it was a, it was a, like this woman would battle me. Like she would she would do all of these crazy things. A test and, of his love. Yeah. And then, and then she, when he would come home, I would tell him exactly what happened. And she would say, oh my gosh, Derek, like, you know, that didn't happen. Your son, I don't know why he would go to those lengths. He just wants you to be with his mom. He's never going to accept that, you know, he's going to do anything for attention. She tried to send me to a boot camp called Eagle Academy, where they shave your head and send me away. And I I've Thank actually known the one. It's like in the wilderness. Oh, no, no. But it was crazy. It's just, you know, that's what I was saying is why I have so much respect for you because it was just a revolving door and it gave me a really hard shell and kind of, you know, I don't know if I would be the same person had it not been like that, you know? For sure not. It's made you very strong, but you're still warm. That's what I always say, you know, like, I mean, boarding school was kind of that for me, but it wasn't a revolving door of parents but it kind of was someone else shaped you for the whole, you know, the whole of my youth. I was brought up by somebody else. Um, so, you know, from six to 18, which is basically what you did, wow. which someone told me it's like being in the army. Someone else thought for me, someone else told me what I would eat, what I would sleep, what I would do, you know, all of these things. So I think, you know, at the same time, like sometimes I look back and go, God, you know, I wouldn't do that to my children. But at the same time, I actually, like you probably don't, you would not be so successful today. You'd probably be also doing what your brothers and sisters are doing and, and never have got out and pushed yourself further had you not gone through all this. So you can thank that 
bitch of a stepmother you had (laughs) for, you know, and that's how I feel about all of these things. I didn't have stepmothers like that, but I had awful teachers too that would do horrible things and, you know, sort of berate you and make you feel small and all that kind of stuff. And that's when you stand up and you stand up, you know, sometimes I grew up in Dorset, you know, for God's sake, I don't know how I got to where I am either in the middle of nowhere. And my friends are still there. You, you came out of Tennessee as a gay man and host all these amazing things and met everybody and you know have a beautiful smile and like have a lovely husband and you know I think we should be really proud wow I'm gonna keep you around Caroline I do have to say though you said I was warm I I I did kind of get back at did you did you say the b word am I allowed to say the bitch yes you can say what you want it's a podcast okay we have no censorship swear away I love that. Okay, so no, she really was. She was such a bitch. Um, she, when she was leaving, I, I wait, wait. Felt, how long was she there? She was there for five years. She lost oh, it. God, it was about four and a half, five years. Yeah, and it was go- It was through the time of my life where I was going through. Um, I was about twelve, turning thirteen, to like. Well, that's a difficult age too. You really need a parent. Yeah, and she, um, no, all of these horrible things that she would do, like I, one time she, you know, when my dad was gone, she, I, I wouldn't, I don't like chili because I don't like the texture of beans because I don't like things popping and it's weird. I'm a texture person and I wouldn't eat my food and it was, it was completely hot. So she came over and she's like, you're going to eat it. And I said, I'm not eating it. And she kept trying to shove it in my face and she literally shoved the bowl over and it ste- like hot, so pouring all over my chest and ever, like burned me thing after thing after thing. So finally, when I found out that she was leaving and my dad was now having a new relationship and I knew we were phasing her out, I, I was at the age now where I was like, oh no, you're not going, no, I'm getting you back. I'm getting even after everything you did. And I remember I, I got three of my friends from school. We came home. She was at work. We, I, we took bleach. We took like everything. I covered all of her Louboutins, all of her clothes. I took her camera and I stuck it in the toilet. I took all of her. I mean, I went so crazy. And mind you, I'm probably like 14 at this point, And I took like piles of boxes. I went up to the convenience store and got all of these boxes. And I wrote, pack your shit, bitch. And like, just threw them down there. And I was like, you're gone. I had the same experience. I had to eat like every day, the whole school would come in and I had to eat grapefruit every morning. I hate grapefruit, like hate it. And I'd be sat on a table while 300 children watched me eat till I'd finish gagging. Like that's exactly, it reminds me so much. We have very similar stories, although yours was a step monster, but we didn't get, I didn't get to get them back. No, she, like, she did I the same that. thing. She would sit you at the end of the table. And if I wouldn't eat it, it would go into the refrigerator and it would be there the next night. And I wouldn't get to eat what everybody was eating the new night, which of course would be something that I love, like pizza or something easy. And the night before it'd be like pot stew. And I would have the same nasty food until I would eat it or until it just got too old that it was time to throw it out. sort of sick kick out of it. Yeah. No, disgusting kind of human being. Well done. I mean, your dad, does he ever feel guilty about these things or he doesn't really like, did he ever like understand? You know, we have these conversations. He, we have the conversations to this day and some, he apologizes all the time now. And you can totally tell as an adult having the conversation is different than having it with me when I was a kid and he didn't believe me. I think now my words hold like a little, have a little bit more merit to them. And my story has never changed. I've had the same story. I experienced it, lived through it. And my dad was a workaholic. So most of the time he wasn't there for it. It was my word against whoever's word. 
you just told me that you had all these wives. He had all these wives. He gave everything to them and started again. Of course he was a workaholic. Mm -hmm. I mean, how on earth do you have 11 children and how many ex-wives? Nine. Nine ex-wives. Give them everything. I mean, I'm surprised he... I don't even know how you afford that. What does your dad do? So, My dad actually <laughs> is a... My dad's a lineman. He climbs telephone poles, climbs to the top of telephone poles and fixes them. So my dad is not some... You sure he hasn't won the lottery sometime through this? <laughs> no, he... You know, in Florida, in the state of Florida, if you get caught having... Um, if you get caught cheating on your spouse... It's a no, like no fault state. You lose everything. There's not even a conversation. He managed to do that at eleven times, so nine times. So he never got a reputation that women just didn't see him coming. Going, oh god, that man's been married nine times. No, because I feel like he would just be like, oh, he like if somebody would say, why are you getting, you know, why are you getting married so many times? Oh, that bitch was crazy. She just wanted my money, you know, like this or that, and. He, my dad always had very nice things, very nice toys or whatever. He, he's, my dad's a very hard worker. Again, he's not a millionaire, but in Florida, it's not, it doesn't cost a lot to afford what seems like a nice, comfortable lifestyle. It's really not that expensive, especially in Palm guy, Beach County. What does a guy that climbs a telephone pole make? He, Get me his facelift. He, no, so it's it's really again, it's not that much, but for Florida, it's probably my dad probably hits about one forty a year and one hundred and forty thousand dollars to climb a telephone pole. Because you have to think too, they get all of the hurricanes. They like once the hurricanes come in, it wipes everything out, and then my dad's working sixteen hour days. Wait, I'm floored. Yeah, floored. Yeah, that's what he just said. Danger money. That's amazing. Uh, I mean, you have just taught a lot of people. Something. I, I, there will be a lot more linesmen standing up. I, I'm thinking about climbing that pole right now. My dad and my stepmom, they're so funny because they're both like, we both climbed the pole. My stepmom's so vocal. She was a stripper for she 13 years. So they just. Oh, you. There's <laughs> a stripper, not a, li- not a pole. This is amazing. This is, so we, we just love poles in this family. My, my pole preference is different, though, by the way. this is brilliant i love your dad um okay so he gave them but when you say gave them everything like houses homes what happened so my dad would walk away yes yeah walk he would walk away with the clothes on his back his truck and all of the other everything else would just go to the wife unless it was like if it was a camper or like our four-wheelers or stuff like that some of like the little toys they would sell it to afford like the moving separate ways and stuff and kind of half that, but no, all the time the house would go to the wife and um, yeah, my dad would just walk away and completely restart. He, he would just say, you know, like give that bitch everything. I don't want to deal with her when I'm done. I'm done. That's, that was always his motto. He said, when I'm done, I'm done. When I shut off, I don't want anything else to do with it. I would rather just restart. Were you your mother, mother? So why did you get awarded? Because that's very rare to your father. That doesn't really happen. So this is actually kind of an interesting story. Um, Do you remember Anna Nicole Smith? Absolutely. Okay. So do you remember when um, she passed away and they fought so hard to get her body to go to the Bahamas with her son, Uh, Mm -hmm. Daniel, right? Yeah. I think so. So it was a huge story. It it was, was, yeah, it was a huge deal. So at the time my dad was going for custody um, with against my mom 
um, he hired an attorney. Her name was Krista, and she's a powerhouse attorney. Um, she was actually the, he hired a powerhouse attorney as well. Yeah, he hired the same attorney who got Anna Nicole's body um, rewarded to go be next to her son in the Bahamas, which was a huge national case. Yeah, I don't know. I remember. My mom's like, I'm going to take custody, and my dad's like. You don't threaten me. And my mom's like, watch. And my dad said, if you try to take custody, I'm moving our son out of state and you'll see him twice a year instead of twice a week. And my mom, they wait, just wait, got- wait. The- How many children did your dad keep? It was just just me in the house. Oh my God. So you were his special one. Yeah. I, so my dad just like held on and brought me with him. And um, what happened was my my mom and my dad went into the room to discuss custody and my dad hired, again, this powerhouse attorney who got Anna Nicole Smith's body to, you know, the Bahamas. And she was a shark. My mom, she's looking across the table at my mom and she's like, how, like, what makes you a fit mother? And asking my mom these tough questions. And of course, as a mom, you're just like, who the hell are you? Like, who are you to ask me about my kid and who I am as a mom? So my mom, she can, she can flare up in temper sometimes. And she looks across the table at this woman, this attorney, and she's like, you need to stay out of my business, bitch. I'm not talking to you. And when it comes to my kid, stay the fuck out of it. I think I'd do the same, to be honest. Yeah. And the attorney looked at my dad and said, you know what? She's going to call me a bitch. This just got personal. I'm waiving all of your attorney fees. We're gonna, I'm going to bury you. And then she got up and walked out of the room. And my dad won full custody. My mom had to pay $1,000 a month in child support. It was cheap. Really, my mom got to see me twice a year for the first. The first time was for Christmas for one week. Okay, but do you do you are you happy with that? Looking back, like is that what you would have wanted? No, see, I, I. That's so. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I mean, I. No one that, asked you. That was I never what I amazing. wanted. Um, never. It actually it, it broke my heart because you you get ripped away from your other parent. Like, how can one person make the decision like that just because it got personal for the lawyer? That's, you know, I, I hate lawyers like that. Yeah. I, mean, I really do. Like, that's like not taking your best interest. That's like, I mean, amazing that she's such a shark and she's, you know, if I was going into a legal battle for something corporate, I'll call her. <laughs> but that is such a shitty thing to do. And that's exactly why with my divorce, I was like one lawyer, no fight. You know, in fact, I was talking to my ex-husband tonight about, you know, at the moment, because he's in an apartment, I'm in a house, you know, with with COVID, we do four days. I think it's four days, three days, so four days, three days, which obviously long term won't really work. It's too much moving around for the children. But like we're, we're, we're meeting for coffee on Tuesday and, we're, I, you know, he wants 50-50. And I said, that's fine. I'm not going to fight you. You can have 50-50. I think they need two parents. They really do. I mean, that's, a you know. It's a funny story now, but I'm sure it wasn't funny when you were a little boy. My mom was always the giver. So any of the kids, if they wanted anything, if they wanted like, you know, if my brother wanted a new skateboard or new clothes or whatever, if it was my mom's last cent, she was going to make sure we all had whatever we wanted all the time. And now I look at my brothers and this is no disrespect to them or anybody else in my family, but I noticed like for me, if I want something, I'm going to go bust my ass and I'm going to work my ass off and I'm going to get it. And I, I always want more and more. And that's, that's great. You know, and I'm, I'm talking to Caroline Stanberry, you know, wanting more, you know what I mean? Like you have such a great life and everybody aspires to have more and more. And I feel like my they, brothers and sisters are very different to me. They don't, they call me spoiled. They don't live like this. They, you know, nor do they particularly want to, 
So, you know, I mean, maybe they would if I gave it to them, but like we, we all start the same way, but we're very different, aren't we? Really here. Different. But I think they don't have the drive because they were so spoiled. They don't have the drive. They don't have the drive. And I think my parents always bailed them out. The younger they got, the boys got everything. Then, you know, my sister was the last one, my mom's favorite. I went to boarding school the whole time. I hated my mom. I hated my mom for sending me there. I hated my dad for being so weak. I hated my mother for just not stopping here, for, for you know, for being the one that forced that. And seeing me so unhappy, it's so funny. If you look at the photo albums, like even holding my brothers and sisters, I was such a mis- I was just miserable the whole time. And I think, you know, I just always felt like, and even now I was like the one that's always picked up the pieces. And it's funny, actually, I was just, go- I just went home now. And um, obviously my parents are a lot older now. I can't, I can't be bothered to have these conversations with them anymore because we have a good relationship now. They're great with my children. It's very different. They do know, I've reiterated time and time again, I would never do what they did. I think they feel guilty. There's no point making them feel all the guilt that they can't take back. We can only start over now. What I did do was I said to my mother, because she was doing her will. And, you know, when my brothers and sisters haven't done as well as me for whatever reason, and I always used to like, I never borrowed money from my parents per se or did anything like that. You know, my brothers did or have to build businesses or whatever. And I said, look, I will never forgive you if at the end, when it comes to the will, I don't get as much as my as my brothers and sisters and I aren't considered equal. Because I had a trust fund as well that I I split with them because my mother told me we should. So I, we all had how I got them all houses, which I could have kept for myself. I didn't. And so we all had a house, but we all had to, you know, I had to pay the bills. And I said, you know, and then I went on and I said, so you you would be punishing me for being successful and for working harder than every, you know, working harder. And it, we, they may have tried, but you know, mine just worked was, you know, my idea came to fruition or what. And I've, by the way, I lost everything in it too. I'm still in a court case after eight years with, with, um, with, with gift library. It's very possible I could still lose more money. But it's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm waiting for that. I'm actually in court on my birthday next year. So, you know, these are the, I put myself out there to make money um, and to do these things. And I, I, I took risks that maybe they didn't. I said, and if, if you give them more because you think that they need it more than I do, I will literally come back and haunt you and stab you myself. Because I'm like, it's not fair. Yeah, I did. I said, it's just not fair. We should all, we were all born to one family. We should all get the same thing. It's all I want, treated the same. And if they've borrowed money from you, it comes out of their side, not not mine. We're so alike. It's not even it's not even funny. I I have an uh, uncle who's very well off, and he said the same thing about me and my. He's only related to two of my brothers and I. It's so confusing. There's three of us, um, and he's always been instrumental in our lives, taking care of us. And he always tells me, Adam, you know, I'm leaving everything to to Drew and Aaron, like the majority, because like they need to be taken care of. I I'm going to leave my house to them, and I'm going to leave this. And I never really understood it. And I almost thought maybe you're praising me, and that's like a good thing that you know, like no, you don't have to worry about I think me. It's a punishment. No, I think it's horrible. I I you know, I said to my mother, I said, you know, look, I'm if I choose to help them later, and they need money, and they come to me, or for whatever reason, or vice versa. By the way, maybe I don't do so well, and I have to go to them. That's our choice. When you're a parent or you're a, you know, uh, uh, what you said, your uncle, why would you favor another child? Because the other one's done better. We all started the same way. We all came from the same genes with exactly the same start. All my brothers went to public private school. We all grew up in a beautiful home. 
some of us did better than the others. Some of us had, we all started with the same opportunity. Some people made it, some people lost it, you know, and I just kept going. Some people just lie on that, not my, my brothers in particular, other people, some people lie on their asses and, and, and while other people go out to work. So, you know, why should you be punished for getting up every morning and pushing yourself as a gay man from Tennessee? I mean, you, you have to work 10 times harder than anyone, I would have thought. <laughs> well, you know, there's my my dad used to do um, side work for this billionaire guy. Um, and he started, he became a billionaire from some kind of train track company, whatever. And he has these two kids and one is a teacher. One is a kindergarten teacher and one is a, a plastic surgeon. And he tells his kids, he's like, listen, I love you both equally. And I'm going to match your salary every year. So every year he matches one son for like $30,000 and another son for like $450,000. And I think that's so fair. He's just like, I mean, it's, first of all, it's a perk that he's even giving them or matching salaries, but I think it's fair the way his idea of doing it. Gosh, the poor teacher though, it's much, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a beautiful job being a teacher and a thankless one. So I, I don't know. I think he could have given him a little bit of a bonus for that, but who am I, you know, I guess you're right. It's money they didn't have. So it's like winning the lottery every year, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a little extra um, bonus. But a plastic surgeon over a teacher, don't get me going. Cause it's like kind of like, you know, when I, I watch all these people today and I'm like nurses and they do such an amazing job. And then we're watching soccer stars and actors and everyone get paid millions and millions. And these people go in and, you know, it's very, it's, very, it's a, it's a different topic again. It's hard in families. And that's why my mother was doing this living will. Now we actually went through all her jewelry and chose what we wanted now, now, because, you know, my dad's mother, parents died and all the money broke up the family, completely broke up the family. Because I think in their day, it was always left to the oldest son, which is just totally the wrong way. That's to what go. happened to my mom. She, her and her brother don't talk anymore because he took everything. Absolutely everything. She didn't understand. She left and had kids. And my uncle, my uncle ended up staying in the house until uh, my grandparents passed. He lived with them until he was like 37. And he felt like he's, he's a gay man. And he never, he, he didn't come out. He's just very kind of to himself and almost kind of a little strange in that way. Um, and he just felt like, uh, Laurel, that's my mom's name. I took care of mom and dad. I get everything. And my mom was like, because I moved out and lived a normal life, you get everything. What is, that no, makes no sense. So weird, isn't it? Actually, I have a friend who has twin boys, twin boys, and only one of them gets it. He gets the estate and he gets everything and the title and the everything else. And imagine how that is, because it's that was the way. And it's just so wrong. It's so antiquated and it's not, it's just, oh, awful. Can you imagine those brothers, how they, they're going to feel later? I don't even know how you do that. I wonder, because my sons are like three minutes apart. Does that make the difference? Is he the older one? Does he get everything? I mean, it, awful, awful. That would be <laughs> no, just by three minutes. I think what I wanted to ask is like, so after, well, you are a very kind person. So we, you haven't really kept in contact with your brothers and sisters. You don't keep in contact with any of these women other than your mother. Would you have liked a normal life or do you, is, you just don't think about it? Well, first, actually, I have to take that one back. I, I did reach out to the crazy bitch that mom three months ago. I'm guilty of it. Um, I reached out to her because I wanted an apology and I wanted acknowledgement. And I don't know why. And at that point in my life, I wanted that. And she gave it to me. And she said, Adam, I'm so sorry for torturing you. She did. She acknowledged it. And I felt so I 
honestly, I think I went to the, I went to happy hour after with Jason, but um, I was like, that's she crazy out of all those mothers. That's the one you reached out. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Because I was just like, you know what you crazy evil bitch. Like you took such a big part of my life and you, you ruined it. You took it and you, it's as a kid, you're a kid. That's the best time of your life. Like the most magical time of your life. And she was the biggest dark cloud. Like she, and not just that, but abusive. 13 to like 18. No, it's, I had the numbers wrong. It's like, it was like 10 to 14. I was thinking 11, but no, or 12, but that's Kimmy came in around 14. So no, it had to have been 10 to 14, but yeah, she, she, um, no, she, my son's age. Yeah. And there you go. And you just know, then imagine like they're very needy. My sons are very needy right now. I can't imagine. Yeah. And what if your ex-husband, you know, marries some or gets with some woman in the future who just doesn't like your kids and he just loves her and doesn't care what you think about it. Then how do you deal with that? Oh, you know, that's was my, my sons. Cause I'm very close to my sons. Very, very close. And they've been amazing because no matter what happened with my, you know, I had a lot of guilt, I guess, for having a boyfriend before Jem had a girlfriend. So I think, you know, you want to make that person feel okay. And you, you know, I didn't want, obviously the man gets kind of the hard end of the stick because no matter who sees somebody first or wherever it goes, the man normally is the one that has to move out. The man is the one that, you know, has to leave his family. And Jem is not a bad man at all. Like he's the kind, you would love him. He's the kindest, sweetest person. So he doesn't deserve it's not like he deserved, I, he was a horrible person. So he deserved to move out, get out of my house and get out of my life. So I felt so much guilt for that. You know, at the beginning I was like, well, you know, maybe I'll go to the apartment and you live with the kids. But of course my kids and my kid, you know, I, I'm the softer version. So the boys were just, you know, my boys still sleep with me, rightly or wrongly, trying to solve that. But, you know, the boys, the, my boys are my boys. So like, you know, they didn't want that. And it's not that they don't love their father. They love their father, but it's just not a mother. And that's why I was saying, you know, yeah. Yeah. And that, I can relate to that a hundred percent. You, your mom is just your, it's, it's a weird, that's why they say mama's boys and daddy's girls. It's, like it's weird. My sons will just come and like stare at me in the shower. It's very weird. Um, but anyway, you know, and every night they say, I love you for about half an hour. It drives my boyfriend up the wall. He's like, are they ever going to go to sleep? And they go, love you, mom. Love you, mom. And the house is like, it's so funny, but I kind of love it. But anyway, so, you know, I had so much tremendous guilt for robbing him of that, you know, because even if our relationship wasn't working, I was like, oh, you know, the noise and the, you know, having the kids around and doing all that. I didn't want to take that for him, but there's just no easy way to do it. There's just, there's no other way. I was living downstairs. He was living upstairs. And then I was thinking, well, maybe we can do this forever because it's, you know, the kids were so happy that even though they don't care whether they're in the same bed as him, doesn't, you know, they don't understand romantic relationships versus, you know, anything else. Just as long as they're in the same house, couldn't care less. So I was like, oh, maybe this does work. And I even said to my husband, maybe we could just keep this house and we'll live like this. And then, uh, of course, when he starts dating, I started, you know, when I was dating, I was already dating. So anyway, then that just throws a whole spanner in the works. And I think that's, that's just, it just doesn't work. So phasing someone out, what your father was doing, that it's very hard to do that multiple times. I, I mean, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. The hardest thing I've done. 
Like watching him pack his bags and leave was horrendous. You know, I felt so much guilt. So I can't imagine doing that bloody nine times. After you do it so many times, I feel like it becomes clockwork and you become good at it. And it's not necessarily something to become good at. What do the women do? Like, do any of them go psychotic? Because I always feel like the reason my relationship now is still okay, even if we have good and, and obviously there's good and bad days. Some days we we talk and, I mean, we don't talk, we only talk about the kids, but, um, you know, some days we're fine. Then other days there's anger, obviously, um, more so from him right now. But, you know, again, he's dating, he's women. Um, but, you know, I suppose mine is one, so it's difficult. The end goal is that we have to be friends. I have to be friends. We have kids together, so we have to be friends for the rest of our lives. No, I was just going to say, I, I wish that my parents would have learned that when it mattered because we now we go on vacations together all together cruise like it's it's not most of the time it's not a bunch of like brothers and sisters or whatever but you know like if my dad and his wife or if jason and i want to go to mexico and we're going to go if we want to fly there or go on a cruise or anywhere we go we and we try to invite at least my parents and his parents you know and um so yeah. you're like the linchpin a little bit yeah and I and out of it, all of them, yeah. And you know, now my mom and my dad they can sit right next to each other. And my mom's like, "You're an asshole." And my dad's like, "If you were on fire on the side of the road, I wouldn't piss on you to put you out." And I'm like, "I guess this is a step up. This is good." This is great. I would. I Adam, I'm waiting for my invite. I want to come and meet these people. I'm obsessed already. If I you ever come to amazing. Florida, or if you ever come to Florida or back to LA. I, yes, we will set it up. Well, if if we ever get a passport again to, if we ever get visas, not a passport again to the America and we can travel, I would love to come. I'm dying to come back. N- least, most of all, because my face is falling down. I see Dr. Kasabian, but <laughs> no. in the meantime, I'll stop past you. Well, I really appreciate today. I'm fascinated. I'm, I've learned a lot of things. I think your father, as much as, okay, he probably was a bit of a pig to the women. He's also amazing to his family. And he's a fascinating dichotomy, really. Because you want to hate him, you can't really hate him. He did a great job with you. He's such a lovable guy too. It's If you've met him in person, he has, he has a personality that just lights up the room. You know, to be so cold, to be able to cut off all these women and, you know, say goodbye, but to be so warm that he, you know, gets you and understood you and nurtured you all the way through and fought for you. You know, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's very rare, very rare. So you can't, he's, he's a complex character. You can't, you can't not like him. And that's why, you know, I always, when we have the conversations now, I'm just like, dad, that was then, this is now. Like my parents are my best friends, even though Never we have our back. ups and downs and we just love each other and family's Never forever. That's it. Family's forever. That's why I don't believe in, in rehashing these things with families. It's done. You can't take it back. There's no, there's no positive outcome. No, you have to take it behind the, take it behind the house, hit it with a shovel and bury it. Yeah. Yep. And you've done it and you've buried all the things. So I think that's amazing. And you've come out a beautiful, happy, go lucky, amazing person. And that is what makes me, and that's what I was saying, because I, I get messages all the time going, how did you meet this guy? How do you look so happy? How aren't you this, you know, and it's not about being divorced or single, which we all know. It's about the person because you can be single and bitter that you're single, or you can be single and like, you know, fuck that shit. I don't want a guy right now. I'm I'm living for me. There's two kinds of single. There's two kinds of divorce. I got screwed. 
I'm never going to be able to meet a guy again. He took everything. He's ruined my life. I want him back. That bitter divorcee. Or there's a divorcee that goes, take whatever you want. I don't need it. I'm out. You know, I'll be fine regardless. And those people, both sides are the ones that always conquer. Yeah. Because they're happy. That's it. Happy people attract happy things. It's the secret. It's the secret. It's the secret. It really is the secret. And on that note, I think we should end this podcast. All right. Well, <laughs> Caroline, I, I really appreciate you having me. And this was so much fun. And, you know, so I, we definitely will figure out a different platform to do this again one day. 100%. We can think of a different topic for sure. And you have to meet Derek Newell eventually. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I'll come via, I told you, as soon as I can get to America. I'm desperate to get there. Anyway. All right, Caroline. Well, thank kiss. you. This is so fun. Thank you, darling. Love you lots. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind-the-scene action. 